The HIPAA bone's connected to the PCI bone, and the FISMA bone's connected to the GDPR bone. Let's talk compliance. Welcome back to Brain Bites. I'm Blake Boyd. Joining me, as always, is James Green. James, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well, actually, as well. Well as well. Well as well. All right. Excellent. Good to hear. Today, we are, I mean, if if we didn't print the IT bingo card from last oh, week, goodness, we, we have? have missed an opportunity because yep. today we're talking compliance and they're all acronyms, literally all acronyms. They're fantastic, though. So... As alluded to in the intro there, we've got HIPAA, PCI, FISMA, GDPR, uh, and those are probably just the four most well-known ones. Um, yes, there are many others. There are many others. So compliance is nothing new to the world, to the to the, <laughs> the universe, I guess. Yep. Um, but IT compliance is is a is a budding a budding flower. It's 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 new and exciting and uh, frustrating at times, but it is. It's happening. Uh, you can't run away from it. Right. And it's becoming more important than ever. Yeah. As we've talked about cybersecurity insurance and, and again, as as more and more uh, bigger threats and targets are out there, basically, we're putting compliance around what companies ought to be doing to make sure that everyone's safe and secure. Correct. And And we alluded to this in an episode a week or two ago that... This is the infancy of regulation yep. of the IT industry. Compliance is starting to come down to uh, specific industries in the United States and then in, in more globally in nature over in the EU with GDPR. Yep. So let's, let's dive into, uh, into a couple of them. So probably the one you're most familiar with uh, from a naming standpoint is HIPAA. Yep. So HIPAA, is, there's a lot about HIPAA that... And and a good bit of it has absolutely nothing to do with IT, um, but a good bit of HIPAA does involve IT. So HIPAA is, I'm going to consult the notes here for what HIPAA stands that for. That is the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. There you go. So the portability and accountability in HIPAA, portability side does go into the IT a good bit, and then accountability is 50-50. So yes, part of HIPAA is... You know, if your doctor is treating, if a doctor is treating JLo, they can't post online that JLo was here for right. something or, or and no selfies. Yeah. And like, and hey, look, you can't willingly disclose personal information uh, or any PII personally identifiable information about a person or acronyms in regard to healthcare. Yep. Right. Exactly. Um, so from an IT side of things, though. There's things like uh, restricting access to as minimal uh, access as necessary, right? So, right. Becca, as a service provider for healthcare industry, healthcare clients, we don't need to be able to access patient medical records. No, nope. we need to access the systems that allow you to access medical records. But our accounts in those systems don't need the ability to access actual patient patient data. Correct. There's we need no to be reason able to, we even want that. <laughs> right, and and we only need to be exposed to it. In situations where we're troubleshooting or helping a provider with a process that happens to view patient data. So the only time a Becca employee should see PII at a healthcare client is if we're you know standing over their shoulder trying to help this provider. You know, when I click this button, it doesn't do what it's supposed to. And 
the other side of that button happens to be, you know, James's physical form from his last doctor's doctor's visit, right? Um, so part of that is restricting those accounts and, and and kind of things that have already been best practices from a security standpoint. But now there's this regulatory body saying, "Hey, do this," right? And putting penalties behind not doing that, right? right. So HIPAA, it's a, it's it's a fifty fifty, I'd say, between general policy um just you know hey make sure you're doing these things make sure you have a policy in place that says we train our employees on what hipaa is we train our employees on how to be you know diligent with their the processing of data on the computers where they store things where they share things that kind of stuff yep. and then there is the procedure side of things so that's the policy saying we have this stuff and then there's procedure side of it which is actually we do it. And we here's the it. proof yep. that we do it. Right. Yep. And having logs collected of access of PII and having logs of access of PHI, which is private healthcare information. So um, it's it's 50 50 between saying we do it and proving we do it. And then it's another 50 50 between IT stuff and just operational security stuff. Right. So that's HIPAA. That's probably the one you've heard of. Um, generally, HIPAA does get misquoted a lot of, you know, if I tell somebody that I was at the doctor, that's not a not right. a HIPAA violation. I'm allowed to disclose whatever I want about my own medical records. It's it's the doctor can't, you know, my doctor can't go to TMZ and say that, you know, Matt Ryan was was there for a, you know, an, an achy knee. So maybe don't play him on your fantasy lineup. Like right, that's right, a right. huge that's a mega HIPAA yep. violation. Now if Matt Ryan posts on Twitter, ah, oh, my knee hurts, maybe don't start me or something. I think that's also an issue with the NFL players union, but not compliance related. That's a different regulatory body. So jumping over from the US which is which HIPAA is a United States uh, act of Congress moving over to the EU yes. and something that you might be thinking, why do I care about uh, IT regulation <laughs> in the EU? You've definitely been impacted by GDPR. Yep. Um, you might not know you've been impacted by GDPR, but if you've ever been frustrated with a website that says, hey, cookies, except <laughs> except our cookies that that's GDPR. Yeah. So the, the, which is pretty much every single website at this point. Yeah, pretty much. There yep. are any any major company that because if you if you if your website is available in the EU, you have then to you have, you to, have, have to have that disclaimer. GDPR is is deep, it's thick, and there's a lot in there. The general consensus of GDPR, which stands for the General Data Protection Regulation. Yep. Uh, not as creative. Not as creative. It's very general. The general idea behind the hey. general data regulation protection is that individuals must consent to their information being gathered. Yep. Thus, cookies... You have to consent to accepting the cookies on the website. Um, and that's why you now websites now allow you to choose whether you want marketing cookies, strictly necessary cookies to make the website function so that, you know, your back button works, stuff like that. Um, so but GDPR was a step out of the of step out of IT compliance from a specific industry or specific uh, type of IT work into a more general and consumer-based, I guess you could say, IT regulation. So this is, hmm. the EU here is taking a stand of, hey, yes, businesses have a responsibility to keep data secure, keep data safe, not share things that shouldn't be shared, you know, confidentiality type stuff. But now they're expanding that to saying, hey, you as an individual have essentially data rights. You have right. rights to be private. You have rights to be to know that your information is being tracked yep. and that changed the game when it came to consumer facing in it right so you know what we deal with here a lot at becca and what a lot of you know other it providers deal with it's it's the the business to business side of things we're not really yeah, worried is... about what 
what an end user need or what, right. a, what an individual consumer needs in buying a computer. We're thinking on the enterprise level, we're thinking about, you know, individual environments and kind of siloed environments of how does this impact my client in this way? And they're thinking, how, how do I control things for this regulation for my industry? Now, if you, if you were someone who provided services to the general public, think of like maybe, I don't know, a Lenovo or someone who does provide information to, or information or devices to the general public. Now they're having to make decisions on how they process information on those devices that they provide to the public. Right. And that's where like that. So GDPR, primarily EU uh, or, or European based um, over here on the States, um, mainly in California, we have the CCPA, California Consumer Protection Act. Yep. Um, very similar to GDPR, but basically, as Blake was saying, it all comes back to you as the consumer have more rights around your data. And that's why we're starting to see like, uh, an iOS, there's the ask app not to track my data across apps. Um, and just making sure that your data stays with you. Um, so that it's not, uh, oh, I just, I was just looking at at these new set of shoes and now i'm seeing ads for these same shoes that i was just looking at it helps protect other companies other services kind of uh, skimming that data and then selling right. it and, essentially and for, you, you might think oh that's just you know i don't care about my privacy i'm just a guy i know it but that is protecting you from that's just ensuring that your data stays with the with the company you have chosen to give it to right right so let's just facebook for example you you decided to put something on facebook you decided to to browse to something on facebook you've made the inherent decision and trust and consent to to go there and to do that now that means that you're trusting facebook with that data so you you've consciously subconsciously whatever decided that you think facebook has enough security controls in place to keep that data secure whether you're thinking about this or not it's a decision you've technically made now keeping that data secure to facebook is the the reason that's important is because let's say some facebook has outsourced some development of some api that is controlling the algorithm of what posts you see in what order if that company is then allowed to get your data you didn't make any sort of you didn't think about that company you didn't do any sort of thought processing on whether they you want them to have that data or not now they get compromised now your personal information has been compromised by that company that you didn't even know existed so that's kind of the background of why this might be important yeah you don't you don't care if if facebook tracks you if google tracks you because you put you you put a google home in your house right yep but if now all of a sudden someone that Google's outsourcing something to becomes compromised and they have all of your your hey Google commands, right? And it's like, <laughs> oh, well, maybe I didn't want them to hear that, right? Right. Um, so that's kind of the consumer side of things and where the EU has taken it. And it's definitely coming to the US. I mean, it's, 100%. you see it in California. 100%. It's going to make its way across yep. everything else, especially as more of these, these breaches like the big Equifax breach that pretty much if you were over the age of 18 in like 2018 or something like that, I think it was your information is statistically your information was breached during that Equifax uh, yep. data breach. So as more things like that start to happen and more people are personally impacted by it, the changes are going to come. Now, moving back to the business side of things, the the other one that you've heard of probably, if especially if you process credit cards, is PCI compliance. 
Yep. Um, PCI compliance is the payment card industry data security standard. So it's actually PCI dash DSS. And the, the general gist of PCI compliance is the, it's, they're attempting to reduce financial fraud by in placing, by placing security controls on where you hold that data, where you hold customer card data and how you process that data. So ensuring that if you're taking a credit card, you're using some sort of card processing service that's encrypted end to end. You're not writing down credit card numbers and saving them on a sticky note kind of stuff. Um, you're not saving credit card numbers in just plain text formats in in Word files, stuff like that. Generally, just a a good idea if you if you have P- if you take credit cards, if you process credit cards, you absolutely need to be aware of PCI compliance. Um, if you don't but you have ever recorded a credit card number right. you, that you've just dropped yourself into PCI compliance. It's one of those things that if you've never taken a credit card, you've never talked to anybody about credit cards, you don't have to worry about. But as soon as you do it once, now, you, now you're now you under that umbrella. Yeah, and, and why all these are important is like if, if you have a healthcare provider that is not HIPAA compliant, don't use them. Right. If you have a credit card, if, if a site that you're using, like if, if uh, Shopify wasn't PCI compliant, don't use them. Like, if you want to be in the space, if you want to get contracts with certain vendors, if you want to offer these services, basically getting these compliance regulations is required. And that's why, uh, again, going back to cybersecurity uh, insurance, you're starting to see these overlaps where, like, with uh, many of them want to make sure that, oh, that the data is encrypted in transit at, and at rest. Um, oh, your data is backed up should uh, you know a, a worst case event happen, you're able to restore from backup. Um, oh, if someone is logging in, not just internally, but also externally, that there's a multi-factor authentication step uh, layer in between. And so that's why if you want to be in the space, if you want to play in those spaces, you have to get these regulations. Yeah. And some of this some of, you know, if you if your doctor is not HIPAA compliant or your, your website you're going to doesn't seem PCI compliant, you know, you would never know. You would never. It's not like you get a plaque that says I'm HIPAA compliant that you get to put on your you know front door. But it's it's kind of common sense or general logic, I guess you could say, um, kind of back to the security awareness training episode we did a while back. You know, if the email looks too good to be true or if it seems really sketchy, like don't click on links in it. Yep. It's kind of the same way. If you go to the doctor's office and they're you know, writing all of your information down on a piece of paper and you're like, is that, you know, is that super secure? Like, am I, you know, you just wrote my social security number down. What, what happens to that after we're done here? Right. And if you go into the waiting room and there's just kind of papers scattered around and if you pick it up and you're like, oh, hey, Bob Jones was here earlier and that's his address, like maybe reschedule that appointment for some other time. And again, a website, if you're, if you're on a website and it's, it looks like an HTML two site from 1995, like maybe don't put your credit card information there. Cause it might not be the most up to date, you know, when I got my flu shot and I'm choosing to tell you that, so it's okay. When I got my flu shot, I, I watched like, okay, when I wrote all that stuff down on that piece of paper that everyone makes you fill out when you go into a healthcare provider, I watched what happened. And thankfully they took care of it as they should have. They didn't just leave it sitting out. Um, but it's something I was aware of. Right. Um, so the last one we'll talk about, and this is kind of wrapping it all together from a U.S. side of things and kind of showing that the United States is definitely starting to take this seriously from a from an individual compliance policy standpoint, but also from a global like, hey, cybersecurity is a thing um, and that we should be paying attention yeah. to now. Um, so talking about the 
the one we alluded to in the intro, FISMA. That's the Federal Information Security Management Act. So this actually started in 2002. So it's been around for a while. Um, but the part that makes it interesting is the global you know, shift to, hey, cybersecurity is a thing we should be focusing on was the update in 2014. So the original FISMA basically just required that federal federal agencies treat information security as a matter of national security. Mm. So kind of makes sense. 2002 yep. internet really starting to become like ubiquitous. It wasn't just this like fictional <laughs> hmm, idea anymore. Um, a lot of stuff was starting to be communicated via email. So it's like, okay, well, hey, if an email to the White House gets intercepted maybe that's a national security matter yep. so then in 2014 though it was updated and reformed to increase uh it's basically its coverage to cyber security attacks and kind of forcing this down so basically if you there there were new controls put into fisma about things you have to report when you have to report them how soon soon you have to report them after an event and basically now if you don't comply with fisma it can result in the loss of federal funding and the refusal of federal contracts. So yeah. if you are if you're doing anything with the federal government and you decide not to follow the FISMA controls or you fail to report something in the time that FISMA tells you you have to, you can now be terminated from that federal contract and lose any federal funding you might have had. So yep. this is kind of that shift into, hey, wait, cybersecurity is a real thing and we're going to put some consequences behind not doing this, the things you should be doing to ensure the data that you hold is kept secure. Uh, and if it's if you happen to have a breach, that's fine. You just got to tell us and we'll work through it. Yep. So that's compliance in a nutshell. This is one of our longer episodes because that was only like four of the millions yeah. of different compliances out there. It's a big deal. Um, just why you sh it's one of those things that it's not required right now, but oh, it might be for your industry, if you're healthcare, if you're a federal contractor, right? But for the general, you know, general companies out there that aren't in one of those regulated industries, it's not something that's strictly required. But if you were to start focusing on some of the more general compliance things, now, you know, like CMMC is very unique to government contractors. HIPAA is very unique to um, healthcare industry. Healthcare industry. Yep. But like NIST, it, the NIST controls, the NIST cybersecurity framework, that's not a, there's nothing compliance related about NIST. It's no. not a compliance. It's not you a regulation. It. It's a framework. But it's, yeah, it's a framework of general best practices based on a, 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 a committee, I guess you could say, of experts saying, hey, we think this is the best way to go about something for IT and cybersecurity. So you can bet that that's going to be heavily referenced when general right. regulation comes down on either all business or the IT industry as a whole. So if you can start kind of starting to, you know, maybe adjust some of your business practices to fall in line with that that cybersecurity framework, you're going to be in a significantly better place when it becomes a regulation, when it, when it becomes something that you do need to comply with to either get this funding or apply for this contract or be a company like, like Becca is, you know, if we want to remain an IT provider, they might tell us we have to have this, this level right. of compliance or this level um, of, you know, of controls. So if you can start focusing on some of those NIST framework items now, yep. and that's something that the client success team here at Becca does, you know, we do go to our clients and say, Hey guys, maybe we should adjust our password policy to this because that's the new NIST framework and kind of guide our clients in the direction of these of these things so that if it does eventually become a requirement and CMMC is a great example of this CMMC didn't exist three years ago. Yep. Um, and we were helping our clients, especially those in the government contract uh, side of things 
really focus down on a lot of these NIST controls. And the ones that did, the ones that kind of took on some of those projects to change, when CMMC rolled out in DFARS, which is like CMMC light before CMMC is ready to go, there's, again, this is a whole world. They were in a much better place. The The number of things they needed to do to maintain their contracts was significantly less than those who said, okay, well, that's a great idea. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll think about right. it. And then never move forward with any of it. When, they, when it came down and said, you're doing this or you lose the contract, they were in a much harder position and had to expend a lot more effort and a lot more money real you know, and honestly to to become compliant as opposed to the ones who had kind of started implementing more controls over time so it's it's not a requirement right now unless you're in one of these controlled industries but not a bad thing to start focusing on and start looking into how can you really make sure that you're in a good place if and when it does happen yeah and if you're if you're a new company that's starting out look at the regulations that are required in your industry and just just start with those as your foundation because that way you you're just building on top of it it's really hard to get going and then come back to your foundation like it's hard to start building a house and then go back and look at the foundation um just do it right out the gate um and that way when it does happen when you do have to show yes i am compliant with xyz then it's like okay cool that's all we need to know. Thanks. Yeah, we are we are actually seeing that uh, a couple of us were talking about how nice it would be to start a new IT company right now. You know, Becca's been around since 1975. And obviously, in 1975, we weren't working on, you know, software as a service or hyper-converged infrastructure like right. that one that didn't exist. We were doing typewriters. But we've been, you know, we've been, we push technology. We're always on the cutting edge of, of technology and what we're doing. But when we start doing this like cloud app security stuff, we're just haunted by gremlins of on-premise past, yep. you know, and, and it's just the <laughs> idea that some of these companies that have started up in the last two years, they're, you know, born, born in, the cloud, in the cloud and they're just, they're just there and they're functioning and they could start fresh. You know, we're, we're, we are, hundred percent compliant with all these, all the stuff that we have to be, of course, and, and things that we don't even aren't required to be, but we had to put a lot of effort in just because we, we started from nothing yep. uh, back in this, in the late seventies. So uh, thank you for listening to this extended episode of brain bites. <laughs> we will see you next week, probably with no acronyms. We might take a week off acronyms. <laughs> Thanks everybody. See ya.